0: Boom mm-hmm. boom black neighborhood in Miami. Mooney, our protagonist in The Florida Project, is a rebellious five-year-old who lives with her young and single mother Haley in The Magic Castle, an extended stay motel in the shadows of Disney World. Moonlight takes place over three vital stages of Chiron's life, including his childhood, adolescence, and adulthood, while The Florida Project focuses on one summer. Today's guest is Caroline Nickerson. Born and raised in Orlando, she studied history during her tenure at the University of Florida. Now, here's our host, Sam.
1: What makes these characters to you? Floridians.
2: I heard this the other day, actually at a John Mulaney performance. He said, the thing about Florida is it's full of people. You couldn't get at a dinner table together. (laughs) I think that's really true. I mean, uh, you have people in the panhandle who would never interact with someone like Sharon from Miami. And you have people like Mooney and her mother, who I'm probably, I'm thinking um, were attracted to that area because the availability of low wage labor um, created by Disney Mm -hmm. and all the surrounding businesses that didn't exist before Disney was there. So for better or for worse, Disney has created the modern economy of Orlando and the type of laborers and workers who are there. But yeah, it's a quintessentially Florida story. um, And and these characters are Floridians um, because they're so grounded in their place. I mean, uh, with Miami is often thought of as the capital of Latin America. Right. And, um, I think Miami is very much a city uh, whose culture has been shaped uh, by people of color in terms of the music, in terms of the food, in terms of um, the schools. I mean, in terms of there's been uh, the output of Miami. I mean, Moonlight itself is an output of Miami, the actual film. So
1: how do you think Barry Jenkins and Sean Baker handle these stories? Um, do any shortcomings come to mind?
2: No, they knocked it out of the park. Um, mm-hmm. with all the little details, you can tell that they, the the research must have been meticulous. I mean, they must have spent so long capturing all these elements in terms of the scenery. Um, I think also um something you worry about when you watch a movie like this is whether or not it's poverty porn, and this is very much not because they ground the characters in love. Uh, and they ground the characters and their relationships and that's how they seem real. And that's how these seem like real stories rather than exploitation. These are the kind of people, even though they're visible in Orlando, they're really brushed to the side. And I think this movie puts them at the forefront and really recognizes their humanity. Mm-hmm. And with Moonlight, there's a similar pushing to the side of the characters. Something that struck me is um, so the movie in large part centers around the antics of a group of boys. And, um, at the end, uh, The main character, Chiron, he's been to jail and so have a lot of his peers. And I think there's a a shoving to the side of these characters into the prison system. So they're taken just like uh, Mooney and her mother, Haley, are pushed out of Main Street society and not really considered. Mm -hmm. These boys are also pushed out.
1: Right. And so so how does Florida factor into these stories? Well, what makes Florida so essential?
2: Well, it's really strange because um, just watching the films, you can see the environments are the same environments that you interact in. I, Especially for Moonlight, the, uh, the school system, I mean, it just looked like a Florida school. It had the colors of Florida. It had the pastels. I looked at the plants. And moonlight and they were mangroves that that's a plant native to florida i'm pretty sure florida is the only state that has this plant and especially um with orlando and the florida project i mean i recognize the billboards i have been to some of the gift shops that they passed i've eaten that twisty treat so it was interesting seeing the sets of my life as the sets of movies right
1: and and you mentioned color so how does color impact the story to you
2: well Florida is all about the color palette uh Florida has, like, if you were going to distill the colors down, like, Florida is very much the colors that are featured in these movies. Mm
1: -hmm. Could you elaborate on that?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think, like, uh, Moonlight really is a dream. You know, it's, uh, Moonlight, it kind of washes over you. And I think the Florida project feels hyper-realistic, except for the end sequence and, as we talked about, the beginning sequence Uh, Because those are uh, very moving songs. But the rest of the time, you feel like you're very much living their lives. I mean, the fact that the movie has repetitive sequences, like you feel like you're going through the routine with them. Whereas Mm -hmm. Moonlight, it's not intended to be like that. It shows key moments to communicate certain things about Chiron's development.
1: Right. And we, we see him moving around the city searching for a home. And I think we see a similar thing in the Florida Project. And the wild part is that they aren't accepted within their own cities.
2: That's the real tragedy of it because uh, Haley, it's very subtle, but she says, I can't go to jail again. So the reason she's in this situation, I mean, she pays more in rent than we do and, because she's paying $48 a night. Right. Um, and the reason she's doing that is because she can't, She, I mean, to it's really hard to rent a home you need a guarantor you need a, a deposit and she the fact that she's struggling every week to pay she wouldn't be able to pay month by month the way uh the housing market is set up
1: right and, and when we see these strings of hotels so it's not just her it's not at all like, yeah
2: and uh the fact that these motels exist in orlando uniquely in orlando that there are like literal neighborhoods of these motels i mean there's Futureland, and then there's the purple castle right
1: right and they're all on these highways and you can hear that traffic zoom by even when the kids are playing on the street
2: speaking of sound in uh the florida project the main sound that's stuck out to me is the fact that in this movie it's the first movie i've ever really seen that kids sound like kids um in terms of the way kids talk uh the way that kids pronounce certain words mm-hmm. it was very much true to life and had a, an innocence about it and yeah it was just so lighthearted. yeah
1: yeah and it really was but i so so i noticed the difference between our two protagonists just how they react one is super loud and one is extremely timid and quiet
2: a big part of chiron and when he's known as little at the beginning of the movie that's his nickname mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't speak and he doesn't really talk as much when he's older either i mean kevin uh when they meet again when Kevin meets Chiron uh in Kevin's diner Kevin really has to coax words out of him right um so i think Mooney's a very you know loud mouth like yeah <laughs> protagonist exactly whereas uh Chiron, he doesn't want to talk mm-hmm. and that doesn't make his uh arc any less beautiful or any less artful it's just it's more observational whereas Mooney's is more it's more action oriented she burnt i mean she instigates her friends into burning down a house i don't (laughs) think chiron would invite that type of scrutiny
1: right so what what is the key difference between the two for you
2: i mean the fact that he's bullied um chiron and he only really lashes out after extreme provocation shows uh, the difference in the characters And and both of these characters they're still very much grounded in the same state i mean um I think it's natural to uh, show a contrast between the two because they're both, I mean, children who are at risk um, and they're both at risk in like the ways that are unique to this society in particular, like this state in particular. And it shows the different ways people can react. They can be like Mooney and they can uh, curse and uh, mimic the behavior of their parents with the middle finger. Or they can be Chiron who does not want to be like his
1: mother. Right, right. He in- instead, he tries to become like uh Juan the guy the the drug dealer who actually tries to protect him and care for him
2: yeah he becomes definitely uh he he develops a very intense shell whereas I think Mooney is like I mean she's still so early in her life she hasn't developed that same shell she's still very vulnerable
1: do you see these characters' journeys kind of converge or share like a parallel in any way
2: yeah, I mean, I think at the end we start to see Mooney's innocence ripped from her, much as it was ripped from Chiron, taken from him. Mm-hmm. So he's quiet. And because he's quiet, he invites the audience to observe like he is. Um, he doesn't really take action on anything, he just kind of reacts to things until the very end. Um, until, well, until the very end of his adolescence when he takes action and beats up the bully. So I think that's like an extreme reaction to the extreme circumstances. He's finally reached right. his breaking point.
1: Right. And then, and then he gets sent to Atlanta. But even after dealing drugs in Atlanta, he comes back to Florida. So why Florida?
2: I think he's reclaiming his sense of self because um, when he's become the full-blown black selling drugs, um, he grounds himself again when he uh, reconciles with his mother and then when he reconciles with Kevin. And I think with that, that's the most real and honest thing. Because I mean, he blasts the song "Classic Man," right? Mm-hmm. As he um, and he dresses in a certain way, and he has worked out to the point where he's not small anymore. Right. So right. he's desperately trying to become something. And then when he uh, grounds himself in these human relationships once again, I think he regains who he used to be.
1: Right. And I and I think Barry Jenkins he utilizes three different people to play the same character. And one thing I thought about them was, you know, how they all came off as the same. How do you think he achieved this?
2: Uh, Well, with Chiron, his eyes are so sad. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they do a lot of the talking for him, especially early in the film when he doesn't speak as much. And with Mooney, um, the close up that really sticks with me. Yes, the crying, of course, but also... Um, her last happy moment with her mother when her mother takes her to a hotel and they pretend to be guests so she can eat at the buffet. Right. There's an intense close-up on her face. And it's not a perfect close-up. I mean, part of her forehead's out of it. It's very much like as if you were looking at her and as she's eating and really enjoying it. And it keeps on cutting to her different cute one-liners. That really puts you um, in her childish innocence right there.
1: Mm -hmm. Right, right. And and the interesting thing about that scene to me is that we are assuming the perspective of her mother, Haley, who's across the table. And um, speaking of mothers, I really found the characters of Haley and Paula, Chiron's mom, to have some similar tendencies and behaviors. How did you perceive them?
2: Yeah, I think uh, one commonality I find between the two is when their behavior becomes unhinged. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially the scene where Haley is stomping on the uh, floor of her room because she knows that uh, Scooter's mother is below and she's angry at her. Um, and when she gets angry, she tends to throw things or act, react very violently physically with like very intense m- motions. Right. And the same happens with Paula. I mean, she'll be screaming at her son, slamming doors. Um, this type of behavior shows uh, their lack of control over their environment and mm-hmm. of their lives.
1: Right, right, and that lack of control actually being within their own cities and their own homes.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's because of the unique position they're in because, uh, I mean, like we discussed before, these characters are on the margins. Um, they're, they're desperate. They're kind of screaming at a world that's right. ignoring them.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like that's a perfect way to put it because they don't have autonomy in their own homes or their own cities. So then I guess my question is like, why do these characters come back? To their cities.
2: Well, Miami seems to be almost like a spiritual home for Chiron. Right, you know? right.
1: Um,
2: it's He He says to Kevin, when he and Kevin reconnect in Miami, no one's touched me since you.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Um, so he hasn't let himself be vulnerable until he comes back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Mooney, she's devastated at the thought of being moved away from Orlando. I mean, they say that they're going, the, uh, department of children and families, the DCF, they say they're going to place her with a family in Polk County. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's an hour away, but it's, it might as well be worlds away. Right. She can't run free there. She's going to be in rural Florida. She's not going to be in the type of Florida where she can uh, frolic in front of a twisty tree or try to find some cows uh, adjacent to the amusement parks. That just won't happen. Right,
1: yeah. I guess Orlando's a really unique cityscape. And how do you think the directors incorporated Florida cities and landscapes into their films
2: well when we think of Florida we think of urban sprawl this is just as true for Miami as it's true for Orlando uh and urban sprawl creates distances between people right um it shows a lack of planning on the part of the people who built the city um I think one key character we're forgetting though is that the character of Teresa and the character of Scooter's mom uh these are Mm. both good mothers, you know, these are people who seek to repair things. It's pretty clear in the movie, at least to me, that Scooter's mom called DCF because they really needed to be called. I mean, Mooney wasn't in a safe environment. And Teresa also seeks to provide a safe environment for Chiron. Right. So I think that uh, these characters, they're almost a remedy to the discontinuities that urban sprawl can create in people's Mm. lives.
1: Right, right. And within the movie, of course, of course, but, you know, what about outside the movie what about when we see these characters in the theaters
2: well i mean people don't emotionally respond to statistics they emotionally respond to stories and anecdotes definitely Um, when i hear one in 17 children in florida are homeless i mean i don't think that's good but it's easier to compartmentalize that in my head right um but when i see a child suffering like or a child like mooney who uh doesn't have a good diet uh, doesn't have a stable life. Is in the bathtub while her mother is having sex with men for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is what really uh, hits home.
1: I think the really powerful thing about these movies is that it's not just pity. There, there, there are great highs and great lows. Do you, do you feel like this mix was appropriate?
2: Yeah, because uh, I think these movies are really rare and that they show uh, the. I mean, you can cry from happiness too. I mean, there are moments of joy in these movies, definitely. But I think the moments of uh, deep regret or deep sadness, um, those hit home too. I think that when I cried from joy in Moonlight is when uh, Kevin and Chiron re- reunite. It's just really beautiful. Um, it's just it's a, such a moment of like tenderness, and I I think uh, this director uh, he shows how tenderness and human feeling. Uh, Urban sprawl can't eradicate that. Bad cities can't eradicate that. Bad environments can't eradicate that. Mm -hmm. I think the human spirit can really assert itself in those situations.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I feel like that's something that kind of unifies... The audience experience no matter where you're from frankly
2: yeah definitely but i think uh Floridians see this film differently uh the florida project mm-hmm. and i think moonlight too to an extent than other people would um i spoke to my friend who lives in new york city who saw uh the florida project in theaters and he said people were laughing
1: wow. at parts
2: where they shouldn't laugh wow um so they didn't really get it as much i don't think um and i think that's because we uh, understand these environments more. We're able to empathize more. Uh huh. Um, I mean, I think people got moonlight. I mean, it won an Oscar. It, yeah. it got the highest level of recognition. Yes, yeah,
1: superlatives galore.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think um, with both films, I mean, it's we we've seen these people, whereas other people in the country have.
1: Right. So, how did this affect you personally? You know, in your relation to your home city of Orlando?
2: Um, well. I think people have a tendency to think of the statistics presented at the beginning of the showing we saw in the abstract. We saw the statistic, the very chilling statistic that so many children in Orlando are homeless, more than the national average. And we'll think of that and think, oh, so sad and move on with our lives, Um, even though we're living maybe 10 miles away from people who are struggling like this. I think that this changes, this changed my perception and changes other people's perception of Orlando and that it's a I mean, it's not moralistic, but the message is: right. these people exist and they matter.
1: Right, and you can you you can carry that affect forward, and you know it influences the rest of your decisions. Do you think that these films, though, will produce tangible results, tangible change?
2: Maybe not directly, mm-hmm. but what I think movies like this do is they plant the seed. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who sees this can they'll always. Um, look at other people's humanity in a different light. People's, people who are different than them, then they'll see them more as people than they would before. And I think indirectly, maybe someone who sees this movie will act differently because of it. And I think that's changed, but it's not going to be a direct... I mean, a policymaker isn't going to say, because I saw the Florida Project, <laughs> we are going to give every one of these families a stipend. I don't right, think right. that'll happen. But I think... Um, I mean, I want to run for office in Orlando someday. So now that I've seen a movie like this, it's definitely more at the forefront of my mind that I want to do something for families in poverty right. who are live right next door. Uh-huh.
1: Do you feel like the Florida Project will receive the same degree of accolades as Moonlight?
2: It's really important that Moonlight and the Florida Project receive the type of rec- artistic recognition that they do because it validates them as movies. It shows that um, Florida, for all its... Uh, Bad elements and all of its elements that are punchlines. It's right. something that can be art.
1: Right. And through, and through validating the movies, we validate the people and issues that these movies are trying to bring to light. And that when we do validate them, we're saying as a society, we take these issues And these people, seriously, and we're trying to give them a voice.
2: With the theater we saw it at, the Enzion, I mean, they've already extended the run twice. Right. Uh, So I think that shows that people want to see it. And maybe the big distributors aren't willing to take a chance on it. But I know it was playing in Boston. I know it was playing in New York City. I mean, it's available uh, to see in many places. Um, I mean, it'll be there for people to discover it. Right. i think it's already one best picture in my head so that's fantastic yeah.
1: po- positive review from caroline right there yeah two thumbs up <laughs> two thumbs way up I'd like to thank my guest Caroline for being on the show. And please join us next week when we talk with Manuel de la Puerta about Franco Spain. Thank you all for listening. And for now, this is Real